Jeff Anderson. Why does Jeff Anderson love North Korea? It's impossible to kind of defeat North Korea. Is Jeff Anderson one of the reptilian aliens who live and work among us? You know, so your brain goes into basically lizard mode. Does Jeff Anderson possess a fragile emotional state? I deleted them because it just, well, because it hurt my feelings. What dark secret is Jeff Anderson hiding about his family? Yes, people, I actually have to feed my family, and we have employees that have to feed their families. Did Jeff Anderson create the lamest CB nicknames in the history of Citizens Band Radio? It was fun for us to get on, get on there, and like Breaker 1-9, this is, you know, peanut butter, and, you know, it's peanut butter and jelly, come, come back and... What does Jeff Anderson really think of you? You know, it's like, I hope you die, and, you know, you are, you are toilet water, and... Find out the answers to these and many other questions every week on the MCS Podcast, mcsmagazine.com. Okay, as you can see from the introduction, um, my fellow co-host here, Buck, has way too much free time on his hands. I think I need to give you extra work. <laughs> I, that is a valuable public service now. <laughs> if, if we are not going to explore the Jeff Anderson menace, who will? <laughs> who will stop him? <laughs> there, there you go. Now you're in the spirit of it. Yeah. Wait, that's me. Hold on. Uh, anyway, so welcome, everybody. This is Jeff Anderson. And I am Buck Green. And this is the Friday Reload. And uh, this is, if you haven't listened to them before, well, you just caught up in the uh, the initial commercial that Buck put together for this. That's what you've missed. What a menace to society that I am personally. And uh, actually, this Friday Reload, we're going to learn even more about what a menace I am to society because there was quite a bit of drama on the blog this week. And the Friday Reload is all about this week on the blog. It's all about just kind of catching up on the quick tips from this week's blog post so that you can get a kind of a Cliff Notes version of, of what's happening so you can pull out some really good information and we can talk about it. So um, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into... The first post, which was actually done on a Friday, but it was supposed to be a Monday one, we're going to cover it anyway, because there was lots of really good discussion around this, um, and had to do with what I think is, Buck, this is like, I think your favorite survival movie, if I remember correctly. Well, it, it's one of them. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, of World War Z, the movie. I'm not, a, not as big a fan of the book, strangely, but I, I've always been a zombie movie guy. I was into zombie movies before they were cool. I had all the Romero zombie movies on VHS before the okay, current phrase hit. I'm going to test your zombie movie trivia because I wasn't a big zombie movie guy, but there's one movie I remember when I was about like nine years old watching it in the basement of my dad's house on cable television, and it scared the living bejesus out of me. But I've never, I haven't, I haven't been able to find it. I wanted, I want like the DVD of it. And nobody's ever heard of it. It's called Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. I've heard of that. I've never actually seen it. But so you're not insane. It does exist. Yeah. Oh, I know it's out there, but and, and it's one of those things like, oh man, I remember I love that movie. And I and it's probably one of those things like when you watch it now, it's like I can't believe I love that movie. But anyway, I'm lo- I'm looking for it. <laughs> well, the the tip uh that was associated with the movie that we had on the blog this week was uh how to make your own improvised body armor zombie style. And, of course, if you've seen the movie, you know that uh, in the movie, Brad Pitt, who's 
just your average black bag special operations super warrior who happens to be a stay-at-home dad who makes pancakes. Um, oh, and he looks like a supermodel. So I don't know what his wife did to land a catch like that. But uh, anyway, he uh, at one point, he armors up to deal with zombies because, of course, if you get bit, you're very much dead very quickly. Um, he puts magazines around his arms and, and takes them off so that he's got uh, basically a shield from being bitten. Now, while obviously you're probably not going to be facing any zombie hordes anytime soon, unless the Ebola apocalypse comes to fruition, as I have been predicting, uh, this is also a common technique used for improvise. Well, I don't know how common it is. It's a technique that has been mentioned before in the context of knife fighting. Uh, there's an old book called, uh, I want to say it's called The Sicilian Blade by a, a Vito Quattrochi or something like that. And, and in it, he describes a technique much the same, using phone books or magazines or uh, paperback books or whatever to pad yourself under your clothes uh, to protect you from being stabbed. Uh, it's simple physics. The more padding you've got there, the harder it is for the blade to get through. That's one of the reasons that's that one of the reasons stacked cardboard is used for testing the penetration of knives when people do knife evaluations. So basically, using these layers of, of magazines taped to your limbs and, and underneath your clothes, you can protect yourself from things like clubs, sticks, uh, rocks, and maybe even being stabbed. We had a lot of great comments in this too. So I mean, people really took took this this topic and ran with it. And there were some great some great ideas in there. And people talked about like in any sort of like a collapse environment or urban survival sort of a thing, grabbing road signs to be able to use them as shields. Um, some of the comments that I really liked were things about like um, like baseball equipment or soccer equipment, like shin pads, arm pads, things like that that can easily fit. Like I remember shin pads for soccer are a hard plastic, and because they're hard, there's not a lot of padding there. They're very protective, but they're also very, like, a, a thin design, so they can easily go under clothes and be able to protect yourself. You can put it around your forearms and, you know, and strap them on and put that under a long sleeve shirt. Nobody would know that it's there. So there are ways that, and it doesn't have to be really bulky. You don't have to wear, like, an umpire's outfit in order to, to protect well, yourself. It's funny you mention that because we were talking about post-apocalyptic movies. The Road Warrior is a great example where half the bad guys in that movie are running around with, like, lacrosse equipment and football pads and anything they can find to protect themselves. And it makes a certain amount of sense. If it looks stupid but it works, it's not stupid. And, uh, you know, something as simple as they sell motorcycle jackets with armor built in to help you survive uh, getting uh, thrown from your bike. And it's it's that principle all over again. It's basically modern armor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point with, like, the leather jacket. Because, I mean, that's that's why bikers wear it, right? I mean, besides looking badass. It's, well, yeah. You know. But but beyond your basic leather jacket, you can also get leather jackets that have essentially plate areas of harder armor built in for, you know, to keep you from getting road rash when you, when you hit the pavement. Right. Right. Okay, the next one that we had was actually going to be the the podcast that we ran this week, which was with survival vehicles with Tony Nestor. And I really enjoyed doing this interview uh, because I learned some, some great tips. This is one of the areas that I think a lot of people think of in terms of a bug-out mobile or something like that, that it's, it's got to be this basically an MRAP 
with your my kid is a is an honor roll student at the local elementary school on it just so it blends in with the rest of the population but it doesn't need to be that mad max warrior type <laughs> thing it's just a matter of like what equipment that you use in it and and i don't even i don't remember if i talked about it in this uh in that interview or not but what really made me think a lot about survival vehicles was a conversation that i had with kevin reeve and he was telling me about a situation where um he was on the i think it was on the 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 highway in Los Angeles and a car got into an accident tur- turned over and the the it was a mother and a a young girl i think she was like 2 years old and the mother got out of the car but the 2-year-old was strapped in the back seat the car caught on fire and the the problem was is that no one they, no one could open up the window to get the little girl out and there was a fire extinguisher there. Somebody came running out of a house nearby with a fire extinguisher, but did nobody knew how to use the fire extinguisher. Um, long story sad and short, the the little girl died. But it was it was because there wasn't somebody. Imagine if somebody was there that had the 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 mental wherewithal to grab like a tire iron or have in their EDC kit or something, just able to grab in their car to be able to bust open the window. Um, most survivalists carry some sort of a, a pocket knife to be able to cut through a seatbelt and have the, have the ability to get a fire extinguisher out of your vehicle for that purposes, for that purpose, and be able to put the fire out enough to save this little girl. I mean, all the people that were there on a, on a Los Angeles freeway, and nobody had the equipment or the knowledge, especially when there's a, a fire extinguisher right there, and nobody knows how to use the fire extinguisher. That's that's crazy. So. This is not just about having your Mad Max uh, Road Warrior uh, vehicle ready for the for the uh, the apocalypse. This is about everyday survival and things that can happen. Uh, Tony talks in this in this uh, podcast a lot about like if you're stranded in in like the snow, like how to survive in your vehicle, some different things that you can do there. And we're coming up on the winter months now, and so obviously this is very much a this is going to be a concern for people. You get stuck in a snowbank somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you know, knowing how to survive that, that's not apocalypse. That is just straight up you're getting you're living another day to get come home and and be with your family. So I I really enjoyed this podcast. There's a lot of good tips in it. Yeah, it's amazing to me the the modern society we are breeding in which people simply have no concept of how to deal with the slightest adversity. You know, the second the second we're off the script at all, you know, something breaks, the power goes out, the car stops where it isn't supposed to, we're lost. We're completely lost. Yeah. Yeah, and uh I'm really happy that some you know, some people are commenting on those. Uh David Richardson well, we we talk a lot about in this podcast in, in our Friday. Yeah, you're going to have to hire him, I think. You're going to have to offer him a job. I was thinking that too. I think I'm going to call the NSA and find out what his location is, and then just kind of drag him into my my mutual assistance group because and that's the clip for the next commercial. <laughs> Jeff Anderson wants the NSA to know where you live. <laughs> hey, well, David, I mean, this guy, look, he he's got amazing information. I mean, and and David, you know, you. The amount of time that he puts into his replies, like he 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 puts a lot of information in there. So I'm not going to go through everything that's on here, but he talks a lot about his own his own preparation for his survival vehicle and different things that, in addition to what we talked about on the podcast, that you can that you can use in being able to uh, be able to obtain 
fuel and oil and water and things like that. He had some really great tips in there. Like I said, he put a lot of effort into it. So it would be worth it just to go back and, and read through David's uh, post that he put on there. I thought it was really, really good. Okay. Uh, what was the next? Uh, okay. Now we get into the real fun. So what was the <laughs> what was the next uh, the next post? Buck? Well, the the post was the top five survival food mistakes that could force you to dive into a dumpster for dinner. Um, and basically, the post outlines what can go wrong with your stockpiled stored food, the the basic uh, uh, food killers, I guess we could call them. Things like time, uh, exposure to sunlight and the ultraviolet radiation that it contains, um, oxygen, which can, you know, oxidize material and also introduce bacteria, moisture, which can cause uh, mold to grow, uh, heat, you know, which everything you've ever read about storing things, it's one of those intergalactic guidelines. You know how everything physical you'll ever do takes place with your knees slightly bent and your shoulder, your feet shoulder width apart? Well, everything you'll ever store ever has to be stored in a cool, dry place. Yeah. There's no instructions I've ever seen. They're like, store this someplace really moist and hot. <laughs> uh, so, you know, these, these factors all combine to destroy your food storage. You don't want to go to your stockpile, which you've been putting away for a while, and discover that what you've got there has been ruined. It's not usable. It's been uh, eaten by rodents. It's been destroyed by time. Um, and there are certain types of stockpiled foods that you can use, uh, one of which, for example, is freeze-dried food storage uh, that will help eliminate some of those factors when you're storing food. And that's where the controversy started. <laughs> that's where it really begins. So, so I promised that I would cover. I promised on the blog, my blog comments, that I would cover this in the Friday uh, reload because I made. I, I'm not going to call it a mistake. I, I I put one line in there. Like, by the way, like this is what me and my family use for our food storage, and and it was a link over to um, a friend of mine has a business. He he makes freeze dried food. It's it's food for patriots, and so. Um, I have a year's worth, like by their supply, by their supply definition, a year's worth of of these foods, and um, so I got called out on the carpet for that one link saying, by the way, this is what I, me and my family use, and it links over there, and so a couple of people for, that were reading the blog had a lot to say about this. So one, they did not like the product, and the reason why they didn't like the product, for the most part, was. Well, a few different things. Number one, they didn't like the marketing because it's a, it's one of the common video sales letters that you see nowadays that basically, you know, they're, they're a video. They're not a traditional shopping site or anything like that. It's a video that basically tells a story that says, here's why you need to do this. Some of them are, uh, are more sensationalistic than, than others are. Um, but that's, uh, that's part of the marketing here. They do have a traditional, uh, uh, shopping cart as well and, and that you can that you can order off of so one part of it was the marketing uh, one part of it was really like how horrible this food is because it's so processed and because it has um, one person claimed it had like a lot of msg in it and a lot of gmos through corn and uh, basically it was not very healthy food and so that's where the debate went back and forth a lot because they do claim that they um Oh, and there was one other element of it, which was the serving size and the or the amount of calories that were in there. So essentially, it comes out to offering about I think it was like about a little over 900 calories a day, which is not a lot of calories. 
Um, so let's we can kind of take these a little bit. Um, there, a lot of my comments are already in the blog. We went back and forth on this quite a bit. And uh, one of the things I want to say is that, yes, um, when we do promote, like I do promote them and we do get like um, um, it's, it's considered like advertising. So we are paid for sending people over to to test that, to try out this product. So we, we're given like referral bonus essentially. Um, that's the way it is with most of the, the food companies out there. And that's, and honestly, that's how we fund our efforts. That's how I, that's how I feed my family. That's how we pay our employees and things like that. Wait, is that we, wait, 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 wait. Jeff Anderson gets kickbacks from big food. <laughs> big money corporations. <laughs> yeah, All I know. All stuff writes itself. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Well, you know, it's like we we brag about being a capitalistic society until we find out that somebody actually you know makes money and feeds their family. So I'm very blessed in what we do because we're able to we're able to be, basically make a living and and help people out uh, through you know what we love to do. So, I'm, but all of the uh, the food food manufacturers have that. They have affiliate programs where if you have a blog or something like that, you send people over. Basically, it's like an advertising charge. So we make our money off of advertising, and so I. But because of that, um, I, I can choose from any food companies that we use out there. I just I like Food for Patriots. Um, I like the people over there. They have integrity. I have met people in this industry that do not have the integrity that I look for. Um, so I, I stand behind the company itself because I know I know the founder. I know the people that work there. And, and I know what they're all about. Um, well, we've done we've done multiple uh, promotions for multiple food companies. Another one that we did where we did an extensive interview was with the folks from um, BulkSurvivalFood.com, I think it was. Uh, and I bought some of those supplies at the time. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things I was going to bring up. So that was um, Enter Health is the name of the company. And uh, they have the Survive to Thrive thing. Because here's the thing. Um, first of all, there are there there was a lot of um, back and forth about what MSG is and and whether or not these foods had MSG. They do not have added MSG to it. They ha- but within the health industry, which I'm also an author in the um, in the health industry, there's there are there are things that are mislabeled as being like MSG. And so I put an audio in there of somebody that explained it much better than I could. But essentially, there is no added MSG. However, there are there is corn in there and there is soy in these packets. Now, I'm not a big fan. I stay away from soy predominantly. Um, corn, not so much, but I do not like soy. As a man, I don't think any men should be eating soy. That being said, if I have to break into my food kits, the last of my concerns is probably my testosterone count. So, um, so I, I don't worry as much about that. But here's the thing. Um, when it comes to the food, the the quality of the foods that are in there. Um, there's a trade-off. There are these are a 25-year shelf life. In order for you to get 25 years out of any sort of stored food that you're going to put, it's going to have to be processed. It's going to have to have some sort of stabilizers in there. And when you do that, you have to have some additives in there that make it at least taste worthy. Otherwise, it's going to be cardboard in 20 years. So there are trade-offs here. Um, for for that 25-year shelf life, to be able to just stock it away and know that your family is taken care of with with good meals that really are healthy, that do have a lot of like carbohydrates, they have a lot of sustainable energy, they have protein in them, they have carbohydrates, they have the, the nutrition that you need to be able to sustain yourself when 
food is scarce. Okay, so you've got that covered, and I like the fact that I'm covered for 25-plus years with these things. Now, the complaint that was coming through was, well, you know, you should you should remove your endorsement and you should find somebody that has organic foods and they're and they're healthy and 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 that's the kind of survival Wait, so, food. So the survival food you're supposed to find should last for 25 years, but be super healthy, super organic, have nothing artificial in it. Uh, I, there's a few things in here that are mutually exclusive. I mean, yeah, there are more natural more uh, healthy survival foods, but they, they don't last as long. You've got to trade that. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And and even like dry goods, like if you're storing dry goods, rice only lasts for like two years. And people think that it's it's a dry good. It lasts forever. It doesn't. It, it has a shelf life on it. But, but I, what I did tell people is, look, I mean, go use whatever you want. The link I put in there over to, over to, my, to my friend's company is what I use. And I think it would be disingenuous for me to tell people, go buy something other than what I personally choose for my family. I'm, that's just not the way that I operate. So, um, but the other link that I did give in there was over to the Enter Foods Survive to Thrive kits because those are organic. And, and, um, and that they're is. Actually, they're vegetarian too, if you've got vegetarian. They are. Correct. They are. They're vegetarian and they are organic. But here's the trade-off. Um, one, they have up to a 15-year shelf life, so about 10 years less than the food from um, from Food for Patriots and Patriot Pantry. Um, so one is it's a it's a lower shelf life. The other thing is that they really are dry goods, like they're dry beans, they're they're dry lentils, they're dry black beans, they they're dried foods that are that are um, vacuum packed, and then they give you these additional flavor packets that you could make like soups and stews and stuff like that with them. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a meal. It's not no. a packaged meal. It's ingredients. Exactly. Exactly. So when you go to use it, I mean w- with the um with the Patriot Pantry, when you go to make beef stroganoff, you basically empty the contents in, add water, cook it up, you've got beef stroganoff or, you know, it's it's like beef stroganoff, but you know, it's it's a, a meal ready to go that smells it's good. It's vaguely beef stroganoff like substance. It is. It is. But it's going to give you, you know, it's gonna, it's like when I was in the army, you know, and we got like, you know, weenies and, and beans and stuff like that. It wasn't the same stuff that you're eating at the barbecue out by the uh, the baseball game, but it was good food for when you're out in the in the field. And you know, and my and I've made these packets for my son, and he loves them. We made the chicken and rice. He loved it. So um, it is really good tasting. When you go to use like the um, the Enter Health, which I, I stand behind them too. You know, I mean, they're they're a good company. They have they they're in the you know they're they're doing the right thing. But you better bring out the pots and pans and get ready to make yourself a meal. And and they're large they're large bags. So when you open it up, you're going to have to use that at some at some point. So so my whole point there is that there's trade offs. Okay. So what I personally use, I'm looking for something that's economical. And something that I can recommend to our readers that that um, will be economical for them. It's not going to cost them, uh, uh, you know, too much money to be able to take care of what their family's needs are. That it tastes good, that it is healthy, that it will sustain you during times of a crisis. That it is storable. And one of one of the things I like about Patriot Pantries is that they're stackable kits, and literally, I can just stack these things up in a closet, and I'm good to go. Now, I will agree with uh, with the. The people, uh, the couple of people that were giving me a hard time on there with one thing, 
And and that is that it's the amount of calories that when it says like a one-year supply, that's one year of about um, like a little over 900 calories per day. Now, that's not a lot of calories, okay? Um, when they called the customer support, they were told, well, you know, this is meant to supplement um, other things that you do. And that's the way I look at it, too. Like, I'm not looking to just, you know, sit around on the couch and in my underwear in post-apocalyptic world and just live off these things like, you know, like I'm that's all my own, own sustenance. You know, we have, um, you know, I, I have, it's like a petting zoo out of my property. We have so many deer here. We have turkey that come onto our property. We have a lot of different game that come right in front of my, my back my back deck. And so I know that I'm always going to have meat available. Um, I have it worked out with a friend of mine who lives uh, right near me who has his own private fishing hole. And this thing, you can basically just stick your finger in the water and a giant bass is going to is gonna grab your finger and you pull it out and cook it and eat it. So we have other means, of, and, and then there's the garden as well. So we have other means of providing food, and I recommend that everybody do that. Like, you could always lose the food that's in your pantry. You know, you could, that's very possible. Now, all the things that are in this blog post could destroy your food. A, a natural disaster could destroy your food. So you have to have other means of being able to provide for your family. So, you know, I don't, I wouldn't look at these as, um, if it says a one-year supply, I would call that a one-year supply supplement. Like, it can serve as a good as a good solid foundation, but it's best to add stuff to that. I suppose if somebody weren't active and you weren't out scavenging for stuff and you weren't you weren't in a bug out situation, you were just at home, you could get by on what you have in these kits. Um, but I, I wouldn't personally look at them that way. So I did agree with him on one thing. And I guess the last thing that I'll that I'll say is um you know my my website I call it my website. It's our, our it's our companies, it's our magazines. But you know, this is my, this is my, my pet. And, and this is my house. And so I don't mind healthy debate, but don't come in, like you wouldn't come into my house and start calling me names or at, or accusing me of having lack of ethics and integrity. And I take exception to that. And if, and I don't allow people to come into my blog and, and I don't mind, people do come in and they'll challenge me on stuff, um, to see whether, you know, whether I, I'm thinking the right thing or I'm, I'm, I'm projecting the right thing or whether I'm, I'm giving the right instruction. And I look forward to those things because I'm looking to learn from other people. But don't come into my house and throw down the gauntlet on me and insult me and question my integrity because I take my reputation very seriously. And if you do that, I'll just blacklist you because I don't even want to hear from you. I don't mind healthy debate, but just be professional about it and don't and don't sit there and threaten me like I'm going to unsubscribe unless you give me back a good answer. Unsubscribe. Like if, if our message doesn't resonate with you, don't subscribe to our newsletter or our magazine or read our blog or anything. That's fine. I'm not looking to reach people that that don't resonate with our message. I'm I'm looking for people that are part of my circle, that feel the way we do, that um, talk the way we do, that are looking to train the way we do, and are looking to grow and share information. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of take exception to some of the stuff. Now, one of the guys did come back, and I, I felt he had a very professional response, and and uh, and I think we ended that very well. The other guy, I don't really know. I haven't heard from him, so I guess he may have unsubscribed. He didn't like my answer, but but that's my answer, and that's who I am, and that's what I say, and that's what I I do, and that's how I talk, and that's how I walk. And so, you know, like it or you know, hate it. This this is me. So 
anyway, I, I promised that I would go over this in the Friday Reload, and I've done that. Um, but you, you know, you've got to make your own decisions. Whatever you find, the whole the whole point of it, even just me giving that one line was, you know, my recommendation is to go with freeze dried food because it is trans, you know, it's better transportable. It's more transportable than having, like you see all those, um, you know, those pantries filled with canned goods and 300 rolls of toilet paper and everything like that. Um, I don't have that much space in my house where, you know, like I need the pantry for our everyday meals. So it's much easier for me just to stack up a year's worth of food in plastic bins in a closet in a spare room and know that I'm taken care of and I don't have to revolve my life around a basement pantry and stuff. But that's me. Um, that's just my recommendation because that's what I do with, with my family. Do you think I covered that enough? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just cons- I'm scripting another commercial in my head. Jeff Anderson thinks you're a giant poopy pants. So there. <laughs> So there. I like the so there part. <laughs> anyway, so that was the that was the last post that we posted this week, and it was um you know I we, I wrote quite a bit in there, and so everybody has to make their own determination. But anyway, you have a link there to what me and my family use, and that's that's what I all I can give you. So anyway, okay, so now we uh, we end up with the what do you know segment. This is where Buck and I can spill the beans on different things that we've learned either from people on our blog or as we were out searching around the the interwebs for other information related to survival, something that we found out uh, that we didn't know last week that we know this week that we think you should also know. So, uh, Buck, I'm going to go first this time because it's, it's actually coming from one of our one of our readers, and it was in it was in one of the responses to the Survival Vehicles podcast that we posted. And the person that put a comment in there is. Um, DL Taylor 51 is the name that he goes by on our on our blog, and I, I've started following his comments as well as like David's and some other people's because he he's another guy that I think is really um, really really knows his stuff and he has some great comments in there. And David Richardson was talking about you know stabilizer using stabilizer for gas storage so that you know it, look if if the grid goes down electricity goes down a lot of people don't realize that gas pumps aren't pumping. And I've learned that the hard way in a, in a, in a real blackout. So um, you've got to uh, you you want to plan ahead with gas storage by putting stabilizer in it. And I can't verify this is true, but I trust what what DL Taylor says. And he says when you put a stable uh, like stabilizer into the gas, he says get the marine grade that is green in color. It's twice as potent and stabilizes fuel twice as long. It also cleans the fuel system to boot, so what's not to like? So, I mean, I didn't go in and verify that, but it sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. Maybe you know more about that than I do. I don't I don't know, but, um, you know, stabilizer can give you up to a year's worth of storage out of your gasoline, and so that allows you to put it away. It allows you to cache it in another location that you can get to, uh, but it, it extends the life of gasoline so that even if the grid goes down and you can't go to the gas pumps, nor would you want to, um, where all those people are, you know, angrily waiting for a drop of gas for their vehicles, um, you can just go into your garage or into your cash location, and you have a full tank of gas there. You just pour it in and go, even if it's a year old. Um, I don't know if if what he's saying is that you can get two years out of gas with this. Uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure, but it's definitely something well, to look up. 
you want to rotate your gas storage anyway. You need to be using that stuff and rotating it out before that becomes an issue because when I was a kid, we had uh, a great big expanse of plantation-like lawn that my father was very into keeping maintained. And he had a lot of fuel on hand in an outbuilding shed that was used for all of our lawnmowers and lawn tractors and everything else. And uh, that stuff, if you don't use it, even if you stabilize it, eventually, if it sits around for enough time, it's going to become varnish. It's just useless. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're, just like your food storage supplies, that you're using this stuff and rotating it out. So, yeah, you want a good, healthy backlog, but you want to make sure it's not just, well, I put in those five gas cans, you know, 10 years ago, and they've been there ever since. It's just a good idea to make sure that you're using that stuff. Yeah. And one other thing I've learned the hard way is that when you have gas cans, uh, when the lar- like the larger cans, like the five gallon cans and stuff like that, make sure that you have a way of of having a nozzle that will go into your actual gas tank. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I I actually ran out of gas a couple of years ago, and I had uh, one of those newfangled plastic super safe gas cans that I got from the gas station, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get the nozzle into my gas tank. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't are. go in. I, I had to use one of the – I have a, a road safety kit in my car that has these little, like, fluorescent orange cones you're supposed to put out. I had to take one of those, <laughs> ram it down into the gas uh, uh, area to get that little shutter to move aside, and then pour the gas into the cone. That's survival, baby. <laughs> that's quick thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean definitely wherever you're storing that stuff, make sure that you have you've test you have a tested means of actually getting that gas inside of your vehicle. Like a funnel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh Buck, what have you got on the uh what do you know segment this this week? Well, oddly mine is also automotive related and it dovetails with that horrible story you told about the people who weren't able to break the window to get to the little girl. Um, I was looking through a list of survival tips for uh, older Americans. It was from AARP magazine. No, I'm not yet old enough to read AARP. I, I found it during a web search for something unrelated. And uh, it was a list of things that, you know, things like um, in a flash flood, stay with your vehicle because your vehicle essentially becomes a boat. It's better for you to be in that than for you to be out in the water itself. And one of the tips there was, to get one of those little uh, safety hammer things that they sell in drugstores and on TV, it's just a, a seatbelt cutter and a little hammer. It's usually fluorescent orange. Uh, just put it in your car so that if you need to break out a window, you have something that is hard enough and gives you enough leverage to do that. Because a lot of people don't realize modern safety glass is a hell of a lot harder to break than you think it is. I saw a video interview on television. I forget where it was or what the context was, but they gave the guy a hammer. They took him to a junked car, and they said, here, break out that window. And it actually took him quite a few tries to smash the window with a claw hammer, which you would think should not be the case. So it's actually not easy. That's a that's a really – here's a really good point, Matt, because I think people have seen that, but they probably have never picked it up. But it is a different kind of hammer on those things and it, yeah, it, because it comes to it, a point. It has like a carbide tip on it, which is similar to the tips on those spring-loaded glass breakers. Um, right. And and you can buy spring-loaded tools, uh, center punches, they're yeah. called, 
that are used for very quickly breaking out windows. And actually, that is a tip that was told to me by a former thief who used them to quickly break into vehicles when he needed to cover a lot of ground very quickly. He used that, that spring-loaded center punch to pop out the glass. Yeah, I had one. I can't I can't find that damn thing. I was just wondering about because it, it fit right on my keychain. It was really small, and it also had like a seatbelt cutter on it too, but I liked it because it was very small. But but here's what I was going to say is that I remember lot like getting locked out of my house one time and like I it was one of those things where you try every door, every window and you just realize that I'm totally I'm hosed here. Like there is no way in and I don't feel like calling a um you know a locksmith and paying $150. I'm just going to break this side window of my of my door and reach in and undo it. And I remember taking um a hammer and going and hitting that the thing embracing myself for the explosion of glass and it and it didn't happen and it's like <laughs> i whacked it again and it's like and it didn't happen and it was it was like stormproof glass and i was like i had to really whack that thing to break the window and so you know the, the vehicles are even more so that way i mean they're they're made to withstand a crash from you know getting t-boned or getting getting a head-on collision and so if you think you're just going to like go in, like in the movies like lay back on the seat and stick your foot in right through the, the window to break it out. <laughs> you know, I like it when they break out their, they, they break their windshield from the inside out. Um, well, there's, there's some do. movie, there's a Chuck Norris movie where Chuck Norris does like a sidekick at a moving car and manages to bust out the windshield no. and kick the guy in the driver's seat. Really? I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not making that up. And of course, I read an article once that calculated the amount of force that would actually be required to do that. And essentially, it would have jellied his leg to have made that attempt. Uh, go Chuck. Well, it is Chuck, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Chuck can Norris do can do anything. Yeah, that's right. So anybody but Chuck Norris, not a recommended move. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I, I think this has been an eventful uh, reload Friday, and um, and hopefully I have those people that were following along intently with the dialogue on the blog on the uh, on the on the food discussion that we had. Hopefully, I answered those questions. But feel free to go ahead and um, I'm not you know I don't read every single comment that goes in, so I may not may not be able to get to everything but please if you you know leave a respectable feedback or reply feel free to ask questions and and feel free to get in there and help other people out by giving your own your own tips and stuff like that about what you're doing this really is about sharing information this is really about like what are you doing that's working that you feel confident in that you think could help other people that's the way i look at every single one of the posts that we do and the emails we put out and that's what I'm looking for from our readers as well. So I appreciate those of you that are doing that. You're doing an amazing job with it. So thank you. All right. I, so, I got to say, Jeff, for one of the reptilian aliens who live and work among us, you're a pretty nice guy. Yeah, I hide my tail really well. So, uh, okay, everybody. So thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining in this week. And we've got a lot coming up next week as well as a new podcast, new podcast, some really great stuff on the blog. Please feel free to jump in there. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Help give us a bump there. And please go ahead and leave us some feedback. Uh, give us a four-star rating in there uh, so that we can start bumping ourselves up in the ratings in iTunes. We're really looking forward to doing that. Come check us out on Facebook at Modern Combat, at, at facebook.com slash Modern Combat and Survival. And um, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. So until the next Modern Combat and Survival Friday Reload, this is Jeff Anderson. This is Buck Green. Saying train hard. Stay safe. And prepare now. Thanks, everyone. Hail evil.
in modern combat and survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.